I am Toby Haydock, though you won't be able to tell because I'm not wearing my sash of office. Ah, see, I bet you had never thought of that. Uh, no, I don't know, but actually, because I'm recording it as a, it's going to go out as a, as a radio thing, much as I would love to see you, uh, it's going out as, a, as an audio thing on the internet, so I can just record voice. It might even be better if we don't, because I think the, the recording quality might be better. Um, All right. So... I think you're right. I think sometimes when you go to camera, I know it happens with me and my son in Australia, the camera goes up and the recording goes down the gurgler. Yeah, so yeah, I will remain a mystery to you and you slightly less of a mystery to me. Because Toby, I... <laughs> I am the restaurant at the end of the world. <laughs> and the answer is 42. And you must you must cut me off if I'm overrunning or anything like that or you've got to no, shoot. No, 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 no. Uh, so it's another of those Skype interviews. I'm thrilled with this one because I was on the DVD release of this Doctor Who story and we got all of the remaining cast bar one. And the reason we didn't get her was because she was in New Zealand. Well, she still is, but I'm in touch with her via Skype. So I'm going to ask her to tell me who she is and why I'm talking to her about Doctor Who. All right. Well, my name's Elona Rogers. I played Carol, a frozen space woman uh in uh, i suppose it was series one it doctor was it was with, with wonderful bill who, who was the doctor and we were attacked by the sensorites and of course that's the dvd that's just come out uh, I, I would have thought collected from the bowels of the archive department of the bbc because of course in those days did one even think that doctor who would be like it is today i mean it was just a job yeah, well, and now it's and now it's an iconic piece of history, isn't it? Yeah. It, which anniversary is it? It's the five hundredth or fiftieth fiftieth year. God, that's Toby. That in itself is amazing, isn't it? And and you know, Toby, very interesting because um, just as we were coming on, we were talking about technology. Um, my memories of that first series of Doctor Who, we shot it in Shepherd's Bush, Lime Grove Studios, and of course it was live to air. There was no recording facilities in those days. We did it live to the audience. So when we stood in the studio and the Doctor Who music came on, which is the same today, we were beamed out to, what was it? 40, 30 million homes right across the UK. Yeah, you did have a delay. You, you, you recorded it on the Friday and it went out on the Saturday, but you still weren't allowed to stop. You, oh, uh, no, no, not allowed to stop at all. It, no. was, it was what they called as live. So, um, yeah, if, uh, I think yeah. they only stopped if um, something went wrong with um, the electronics, but if something went wrong with the acting, you were, you were, you were left to it. You were left to it, which was a bit like Weekly Rep. In fact, I'm thinking probably on episode three for me, poor old William, who was an old boy even then, um, reverted to an episode before and suddenly started saying last week's lines as he was walking towards me alongside a big, big camera. Of course, the cameras were huge in those days. And I was thinking to myself, oh, Bill, you've gone wrong. I have to get this back into this week. Interesting. 
Oh, bless him. Well, yes, he was... I mean, he was actually only 55, but he came across as a lot older than um, oh, yeah. than he was. Um, but yeah. was he... A, was uh, what, What's... Because he... As time went on, he found it more and more difficult, it seems. But uh, in these early days, was he a... Uh, was he a testy figure or was he quite a relaxed chap? Oh, no, no, he was lovely. But look, actually, I mean, Toby, it was so new to all of us. You know, I mean, if you'd have gone around that cast, which you have, um, well, the ones that are alive anyway, uh, we'd all come out of weekly rep. You know, we were all theatre actors. Uh, and television for us was, was a huge learning curve. And, um, I mean... The reason that actors had the ability to struggle on was because um, one still thought that you were acting on stage in front of 15 old age pensioners on a Monday night at <laughs> Bath Rep or something. <laughs> and had it, take, had it taken you long to break into television? Because, as I understand it, from you know when television started, there were certain actors that thought it was a bit of a dirty word. Um, and uh- so- Absolutely. And, you know, the casting of um, Coronation Street, I mean, if you look at those, uh, that original cast, most of them were amateur actors. Uh, actors thought that being in something like Coronation Street was not kosher at all. Uh, it was not the way you wanted your career to grow. And, uh, gosh... Well, look, time has revealed all. All those original members now have stately homes all around Manchester. Yeah. Um, well, and, you know, Doctor Who doesn't give you a stately home, but it uh, it certainly stays with you. Uh, but it was a new show then. Was the, was there it ex- was a new show. Was there an excitement about doing it, or was it just another oh, job? huge. Uh, and the excitement for me and, um, um, you know, people that were acting with me was the set. I mean, I think some of us used to just stay in the set at lunchtime and play. I mean, you know, it was like we had encountered the electric train department of the BBC. So all the men who were working the machines were absolute enthusiasts. And, and, you know, you'd press buttons and things would appear on screens. and, And, of course, you know, the sensorites would walk in through doors and... Yeah, it was hugely exciting. And do you remember the rest of the uh, the regular cast? There was Bill Russell and Jacqueline Hill and Carol Ann Ford. Yeah, Carol Ann Ford. I used to meet her occasionally after that. I mean, did they only go on for that series? I think they uh, did ca- those. Ca- Carol stayed. That... Carol stayed a year. Bill uh, Bill Russell and Jackie Hill stayed another year after that, and then yeah, Bill Hartnell right. stayed another year after that. Yeah, so they they gradually all drifted away. Can you imagine, Toby, uh, what would have happened if I'd kept the scripts? Oh, yeah. Whoa. You know, we used to just chuck them away with gay abandon. My golly. Um, yeah, you know, you do look back and think, the, uh, I mean, Avengers scripts, Saints scripts. Man, if we'd kept all that stuff, um, uh, I probably would be in a stately home. <laughs> you might be, yes. <laughs> But it's interesting that it's all the stuff that has an element of the fantastical about it that people seem to hang on to. Why do you think that is? I I don't know. I think a lot of people have a sense of history. Uh, I mean, you know, probably subsequent to leaving the UK and working in Australia and New Zealand, I became a real trash and treasure freak myself. But too late... Um, 
it's the same as I used to have in a, a flat in St. John's Wood. And um, uh, the company that owned these flats offered me this flat for £4,000. I mean, I walk past that flat now and I go, I can't believe I didn't buy it. But we were only sort of earning £10 a week in those days. Sure. And so, yeah. and, and I, obviously, having when I started watching television and researching Doctor Who, I would see you in things like Anzacs and things like that. And so yeah. I, I'd assumed you were a, an Antipodean actress that, like a lot of uh, actresses in the 60s, came to the UK to... And I was wrong. You, were, you, you are from Yorkshire, are you not? Absolutely from Yorkshire. And I will be returning there in three weeks' time to see my poor relatives who are flogging around in the snow. And I have sent them Red Cross parcels for the last two months filled with possum socks <laughs> to keep their little tooties warm. Uh, meanwhile, we're sitting in a drought in New Zealand. We've had drier weather than Australia. I mean, this is, this is climate change, Toby. And, um, you know, people around me are on their fourth tank of water. Um, we're buying in water down here. So it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the, the El Nino and the El Ni La Nina seem to have got fixed this year and they haven't moved. So we're all in a sort of frozen state. But is it getting a bit warmer with you? Well, we've had a couple of days of sun, but it's been... It's been... Uh -huh. It's bit, but you know, it, seeing as we're in April, it's been pretty wet and pretty cold and pretty miserable. I've got the I've got the yeah. heating on now. It's it's chilly. Toby, if you speak to me nicely, I might even send you a pair of possums. Oh well, bless you. But uh, this is you and me, because I'm suddenly thinking I'm not doing my job. No, it's all right. It's um, not, you're not getting paid. It's not a job. <laughs> it's a conversation. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but listen, Toby. Nowadays, you don't get paid for jobs. I mean, I do. I've just done a, a, a little film for a, a lovely director guy here, who's from Scotland, who's landed up in New Zealand. And um, you know, we have this thing called koha, which is a Maori expression, which means a donation. And um, so they ring you up and say, "Would you mind playing the main part in this movie?" Of course, I haven't got any money. I'm not the Hobbit, so it's koha. And uh, you get your petrol paid for, and that's about it. In fact, sometimes you find you're even paying for the honour of being in that movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're paying to do your job. That's nice. Paying to do your job. You mentioned, you know, that you'd seen things in Australia. I worked in Australia uh, all uh, late 70s, um, right through to the mid-80s. And um, that was a really interesting time in Australia because it was a, a burgeoning television um, country. You know, lots of productions going on. Very exciting. Yeah. And, of course, you see things like Prisoner at Cell Block H and, you know, Anzacs and the Sullivans, and, which, and, of course, the Sullivans was the um, Antipodean take on Family at War, a Granada television production. Yeah. Yeah, which was a great show. Oh, great show. Great. Granada's done some, you know, I still look at those prime suspect episodes and think, my gosh, that was great television. But you see, the interesting thing, Toby, in those days, when you went to work on television, the first thing you did was rehearse it. 
And um, that was the actors and the director. And once you'd rehearsed it like a theatre piece, then the camera crew would move in with the sound crew and they'd plot their technical script from what the actors had produced. So there was a sort of organic thing about it. Well, nowadays, because television's so fast, you don't work like that. Uh, first of all, you shoot out of sequence. Secondly, um, you, you know, the actor moves to the camera plot. Prior, you know, and that's been plotted long before the actor even comes into the rehearsal room. Co- totally different way of working now. Do you think performance suffers because of that, or is that just us being romantic? Why? I mean, this now I'm speaking from a New Zealand experience because I've directed television here and and theatre. Um, we're so busy here, f- um, cutting in our commercial breaks, that what's happened in television, especially we've got a soap which has been hugely successful here called uh, Shortland Street. Yeah. Um, is that the main part of acting is when somebody has been delivered a line and what you do is you watch the actor processing that information and then replying. And um, what we've tended to do now in in television, we edit those moments out because we want time for the commercial break. So what you tend to see is just a ball going backwards and forwards, but you don't actually see the acting process going on. Whereas when you look at Prime Suspect, I'm thinking of an episode where Helen Mirren uh, says to one of the detectives who's uh, displayed himself as being very homophobic, um, she says to him in a scene, uh, by the way, you better go and have an AIDS test. And he says, why? And she says, because that street kid bit you and uh, the, the, the kid in question has AIDS. And the camera just sat on this actor's face and you watch the process going on. Wonderful. Now, that to me is great drama. And, um, you know, that's... Uh, respecting what the actor is bringing to the piece. And uh, a lot of stuff now, especially the quick turnaround stuff, don't see that anymore. So it's lost, you know, it's lost a a level. Now, I'm not saying that happens in all pieces at all, because I'm sure you think of England, Downton Abbey, stuff like that. It doesn't. But certainly here in New Zealand, the fast turnaround stuff, we've lost a lot of that. And um, you've you found yourself in New Zealand, but you went to Australia first. So what what was it that made you um, leave the UK? And um, how 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 long did it take you to get established as well when you moved? Yeah. Okay. My parents lived in New Caledonia, and you'd probably think that's Scotland, but it's not. New Caledonia is a little group of islands in the Pacific. It's French Pacific, and my family lived in Noumea. Um, I had, when I wasn't sort of acting, I had a wonderful job working in the BBC Film Library, a job that I actually loved. We were at Ealing Broadway, and um, my mother got cancer, and I was sort of, you know, had the flat in, in um, gosh, where was my flat? Just outside Hammersmith, um, you know, doing acting work, and... Um, working part-time at the Ealing Broadway Film Library and and 
when my mother got cancer, I started to think I really should be closer to her for a bit. So I moved to New Zealand. And uh, a year later, later ma- met a Kiwi farmer. I mean, it's a cliche, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and became a farmer's wife. And um, walked behind my husband, who was on his tractor. And uh, uh, very quickly, having married a farmer, I, God, I got myself back into television really fast. Because we needed a tractor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and um, so then started doing a lot of work on television here in New Zealand. And subsequently uh, got invited to go over to Australia um, to be in the Sullivans. So that's really how I ventured into Australia with a nanny and a child. So does Australia? Because Australia, we we think of Australia and New Zealand being close, but they're not that close. But do, but now, do you you sort of share actors, do they? Oh oh yeah. I, I mean now, British uh, New Zealand Equity is aligned with Australian Equity, uh, and I would probably say actually that New Zealand has benefited from that much more than. Uh, the generosity, may I say, of Australian actors who um, subsidise that move into New Zealand. Um, but what happens is it does mean this cross-Tasman uh, exchange, and and very often, um, I believe the last episode, uh, last series of Spartacus, uh, the leading actress was an Australian. So yeah, and there's a lot of New Zealand actors I know like I did, who have gone over to work in Australia. Did um, I say Australia twice? No. I mean, a lot of New Zealand. Oh, yeah, New Zealand good. actors gone to work in Australia. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, which begs the question, Ellen, as a, as a New Zealand-based um, actress, why on earth weren't you in Lord of the Rings? Well, you know, Tolkien, you read those books, there are very few women Yeah. Lord of the Rings. And uh, Tolkien is a very male-based story, a wonderful story. And, um, uh, I mean, probably my claim to fame at the moment is that I trained two of the dwarfs, not for the film, but I'd actually been part of their training as students. So, um, but, but um, and the star of those movies really is the scenery. And mm. you've been to New Zealand, Toby. Did you ever get to South Island? Uh, I didn't get to South Island, sadly, but Don't I was, I was, back. I was still driven out into the, uh, into the, you know, the fantastic landscapes because Doctor, yeah. Who's, Doctor Who's a universal language, and uh, and a couple of Doctor Who fans left a note at my yeah. dressing room door and said, "We'll take you and we'll drive you around," and they showed me oh, all sorts. Fantastic. Well, of course, South Island rocks at the moment, as you know, although the aftershocks in Christchurch are, um, uh, you know, slowly subsiding. But my brother said to me the other day, um, he said, look, I don't even get out of bed anymore unless it's (laughs) (laughs) 5.8, which is, I mean, that's what the people of Christchurch have gone through. And it's, um, it's an experience that's quite strange because you'll be sitting there having a coffee in in one of the only coffee shops in the centre of Christchurch and you can feel them going under your feet. Really? And, um, you, you know, somebody in the conversation will say, ah, oh, that's a 3.4. And then the other person will say, no, 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 that's a 3.8. You know, and everybody's got their iPads there and five minutes later somebody says, I was right, it's a 
4.8, you know, or it's a 3.8 or whatever. Um, so they've, but now, of course, the rebuild is going on. But life's been really tough down there for a lot of people. And again, what we don't quite realise, I didn't realise until I got there, that, that, that actually to go from North Island to, Island to South Island is, is, one, is quite a trek. Oh, yeah, on the ferry. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, be- look, Toby, beautiful countryside. Very few people. I mean, a population of four point... I think we're crawling up to 4.3 million. Uh, and Sydney is 4.4. Yeah. Uh, I certainly look at my young family and all of them have got great jobs and they all live in Sydney, which is great because I've got free, free accommodation <laughs> when I get over there. And do you miss anything about the UK? Oh, yeah. Well, look, I'm back on a regular basis. And, um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I will spend a week in London and I walk the streets. I will do the V&A, the British Museum, South Bank. I'm going to go to Peter and Alice to see Judy Dench and Ben Wishaw. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, there's a play on at Hampstead Theatre Club I want to go and see. In fact, you know, I'm now wondering how I'm going to squeeze it all in. But often what I do is go to a matinee and an evening performance. Now, London for me, fantastic. Love it. Love it. I, I go to the Met Live I go to the Met Live uh, performances here. This is how small the world is. I see all the National Theatre Live um, productions because guess what? They come in my local cinema. Oh, fantastic. Uh, we've just done Auckland Arts Festival here and we've had One Man, Two Governors. Oh. Um, a lot of people said to me, ah, oh, I've seen that already on NT Live. Um, we're about to get War Horse, which hasn't been on NT Live, so a lot of people will go to that. But... You know, National Theatre is now on our back door. That's amazing, it's amazing isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, uh, so obviously, it's coursing through your veins. What? What were you always going to act? Do you think? I went to a school called Elmhurst Valley School, which was in Camberley in Surrey. And like many little girls who people discover either great writers or dancers, shock horror, somebody discovered that I had the potential to be a dancer. And I got to this school and we did three hours of ballet a day, which was absolute physical torture. And, um, I mean, I was going through school with some really interesting people, Hayley Mills, Juliet Mills, um, Adrian Bolt's daughter... Uh, I mean, so many kids of famous parents. And, um, you know, we'd all assemble in our uh, dance studios with our leotard and tights on. I remember Juliet Mills and I used to look at each other and go, what are we doing here? So, of course, the escape route was to actually go into the drama side of the school. That's how I started acting. It was sort of to get out of ballet classes. Huh. And then I landed up at Bristol Alvic Drama School. Wonderful. What a great school. It was just inspirational. Duncan Ross was the principal then. So I was before the likes of, oh, Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, look at Dan Day-Lewis. Yeah. More Oscars than any other actor. I know who I'm thinking of. Jeremy Irons. Jeremy oh. Irons. I was just head of Jeremy Irons. Oh, were you? And I was just behind Stephanie Cole. Oh. Stephanie Cole was in the year ahead of me. 
Yeah, and she came to New Zealand, Stephanie, and uh, honestly, the two of us went round New Zealand together. I've never laughed so much in my life. Look, Stephanie was playing old ladies even when she was at drama school. And, um, uh, you know, by the time you saw Waiting for God, she got it down to a... Uh, she'd got it down to a fine art. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful. Well, the fact that... Toby? Got... Sorry? No, I was just going to say, do you want me to talk to you anymore? Well, yeah, are you... I'm worried that you've got to catch your ferry. I do. On this hot day, I'm going over to the island uh, to look at this drought-ridden uh, island. It just makes me so sad. You know, we're not used to droughts in New Zealand. Um, people fly in here and always go, oh, isn't it green? Well, it's not green at the moment, it's brown. Is it? Um, but, Toby, I think what I want to say to you is get yourself another one-man show. <laughs> the comedy festival is just about to begin and you should be in it. Well, and uh, when you come over next time, we will. Um, I will be the old lady standing outside <laughs> your <laughs> Your stage door said, would you like to go on a trip? Um, <laughs> so, alongside all the aged Doctor Who fans as well. Oh, well, yes, indeed. Well, um, you have to shoot. So, um, you, it was an animal charity you wanted to choose, wasn't it? Oh, look, yes. I, I mean, yeah, World Wildlife, Greenpeace, that's a bit radical. I love it. Um, I mean, you know, you name it. Okay. Uh, anything to do with whales, as you know, New Zealand is so against Japanese whaling, um, and or, or ocean pollution. I mean, horrific. You see that thing the other day? A whale died on a beach, and they did an autopsy on it. Yeah. I think here in New Zealand, it was just horrific. The amount of plastic that whale had swallowed. Horrific. We live in a beautiful world, and we are. Ra rapidly destroying it. Uh, children and grandchildren are going to have a lot of cleaning up to do. They really are. So any charity like that, Toby, be okay. wonderful. Wonderful. Right? Well, you have to go. So look, thank you so much for for uh, for, for, for doing I'm, this. I'm at the end of your Skype, so chat to me and send me your physical address. All right. Okay, I will. Now, We'll explain to you why I'm allowed to send you possum socks. Possums are little furry creatures. They're like big squirrels. They are not native to New Zealand. They came over on a ship from Australia, of course. And they are complete vermin in this country. And they strip the trees. They eat 74,000 tonnes of leaves a night. They graze trees. So World Wildlife has given New Zealand permission to get rid of them. And it was... Um, they had to try and find a reason for, to get people to go out and shoot them. And, of course, they have now become a fashion item. And for anybody who has visited New Zealand and been a tourist here, many of them will have gone home with a possum cardigan or something. And, of course, it's possum fur wrapped into merino wool and silk. Wonderful. Light and warm. And ethical. Spots, Toby. And ethical. Wonderful. I love it. And ethical as well. <laughs> well look, It'll be lovely talking to you. And you, Alona. Thank you so much for your time and your enthusiasm. Make the sunshine on Manchester. I'll do my very best. Good one. Excellent. Bye. Take care. Oh, wasn't she lovely? 
Uh, but my pedantometer is twitching because there is one further cast member of the Sensorites still with us, Ken Tilson, who played first Sensorite and Sensorite scientist. And, oh, God, my pedantometer is really sensitive today. Uh, we did get him for the DVD, though, except that he couldn't make it on the day. So I sort of feel that he was there in spirit. You know, he was involved. We made contact. But I thought I should mention it, as doubtless more people would have written in to pick me up on that than uh, would have said nice things. And we wouldn't want that because I thought Ilona was absolutely fabulous. And her charity is, uh, well, as the lady said, take a pick, uh, I suppose, from, well, Greenpeace, www.greenpeace.org.uk. That's peace as in dove of, not as in of cake. Uh, and save the whales, maybe. And uh, I always thought it would save the whale, but no, they want to save a lot of them. Good for them. Save the whales. Uh, that's whales as in the big water-based thing uh, from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, not whales as in where Cardiff and Max Boyce are from. It's www.savethewhales.org. Next time, I'm actually covering a story that I've already done, but I turn no one down. You hear that, ladies? Uh, and he has a unique status amongst Doctor Who characters because he's played a regular without actually being one. Hmm, conundrum. My thanks to Alona, who was delightful, and to her agent, Gail Cowan, who was hugely helpful and accommodating to a project that obviously gained her nothing. I honestly say that dealing with Gail was the best experience I've ever had with an agent. Uh, and I've got four of my own. Oh, no wonder I haven't got any money. Four people to give 15% to, that doesn't mean have anything left. Until uh, next time. Anyway, this is Toby Haydock. Who's round? But that's because I haven't been going to the gym very much and I've eaten lots of bread. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions The Avengers The Missing Episodes, Volume 1. Would you just tell me who you are and what you're doing? Who am I? I'm a kind of civil servant. My name's Steed, John Steed. And as to what I'm doing, well, the first thing I'm going to do is trust you. Later, I hope you'll trust me. Bart, get in here. Boss? Mason's boys are moving in on Sammy Cohen's spieler. Couple of carloads. Murphy's going to need help. Get going. Round up the rest of the boys, everyone you can find. Then we'll put the first part of the plan into operation as soon as possible. Do you have a surgery tomorrow afternoon? Yes. Right. Your contact will approach you, and when he does, you know what to do. Refuse to give him what he wants. I'm glad to see you enter into the spirit of the thing. Get the doctor a drink. Now, where... Ow! Usually I prefer to heal people, not punch them in the face. But in his case, I'll make an exception. Stand back, let me see how he is. Who are we meeting? Not we. You. All right, me. Who am I meeting? Your maker. There. Your hand looks better now, doesn't it? Would you like the doctor to give you a certificate? I'd like the doctor to give me a double scotch. This is a surgery and not an off-licence. Pity. All right. I'll see what I can do.
Knock over the Vance brothers and the rest are easy. They have to follow someone. If there's no one else, they'll have to follow you. Too true. They will. It's time Spicer started earning his keep. It seems you've been barking up the wrong tree, Superintendent. Oh, it's the right tree. And you're right about barking. Next time, Doctor, I'll bite. Big Finish. We love stories.